You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God, mind control, the last days, higher dimensions, unity, the power of faith, discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, I also want to invite you every Friday to www.thefireplacechurch.org at 7 p.m. CST, Central Standard Time, for our internet-based church service that is fully integrated with internet-based moderated discussion groups, a revolution in the way ministry is being done. We are the first of our kind as far as we know, and so far no one has corrected me yet. I am telling you folks, we are excited to be on the front lines of warfare for Jesus. And I'm going to give you a brief uh uh, overview of what's happened at Bride Ministries because it is really just very exciting. You know, everything was laid down in 2014 as I went to work with another organization for a majority of that year. And at the end of 2014, that's when Bride Ministries really began again. It was like we were born again. And I uh, relaunched Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall at that time, uh, having basically nothing. There, there was nothing that had been going on through Bride Ministries for months and months and months. Um, and it was just a fresh start. It was like, you know, ground ground zero. And everything that we are doing now at Bride Ministries has literally been birthed since the very end of 2014 uh, going into 2015, right around the end of November, beginning of December. That's, that, that's when everything really kicked off. And what you see now, Going on at Bride Ministries has all found its ascension point in the last year and a half. It's it's just phenomenal what God has done. Um, so so since 2014, we have 
um, expanded our DID coaching community to six individuals, including myself. Uh, we began with technically two. It was just me and Dr. Bailey. Uh, then we brought on Dr. Rob Bruckert, and then we brought on Linda, and then we brought on Ruthie, and now we're bringing on another individual, and they're all going to be on our website, and you can look at their beautiful faces. Um, in addition to that, obviously, we have not just brought on coaches as contractors. We have actually raised the money to pay them to work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas so that those that could never afford to get their own help can find help from the worst kinds of abuse because of your generosity and what God is doing at Bride Ministries. You're going to hear from one of the survivors today that has found help that has found hope and that has found deliverance because of you. Her name is Elena. And, you know, there are many others. And I'll tell you something, folks. It, this is what breaks my heart. What breaks my heart is that we are doing all this work to create solutions. And there are like 30-some people on our waiting list for DID coaching. And at the rate things are going, many of them will be on there for years. Unless God steps in and provides us with a lot more capital. Because this is what happens. When we commit to help a survivor, we commit over the long term. It's oftentimes months and months or even years of work for a single survivor to get set free. Therefore, when we add a survivor to our budget, let me explain something to you. Some of these people have had millions of dollars invested through government agencies, military, I mean, in, into the programming that they have endured. It is not $5.10 that's going to, you know, uh, feed a child for a month type of ministry that we are doing. We are unraveling uh, the, the most complex bondages that you can imagine. It's not easy um, and, and it's not free. So, and, and so here's what happens. We raise the money and we continue to support those survivors as they continue to work with the coaches that they are assigned. It's an ongoing cost. So we cannot help more survivors than what our budget can sustain over an extended period of time. Otherwise, we just bring people in and give them the boot all day long. And no one really gets help because of the type of ministry that's required. And I want you to understand that so that you understand that, well, if we, you know, basically <laughs> do what we've done, we haven't been helping very many more survivors or taking very many people off of our waiting list recently because we just simply haven't had the expansion the continual expansion in our budget that's expectable that's allowed us to do that and you know what we'd love to so if there's any encouragement if, if, if listening to elena today maybe going back and listening to some of the other survivors that have spoken out is inspiring to you i'm telling you what there is a field that you can see it's called bride ministries where you will know that what you are contributing is empowering us to help people we're bringing on more coaches as we can so that we can help more people um and ultimately, we're investing in building an entire DID coaching school. You know, that's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars when we go to build that DID coaching school. The e-church that we put up um, in response to 
the leading of the Lord and your need uh, cost us over $30,000. And you know what? It costs continually every week to keep that running, to keep executing the productions. Did you know we invest thousands of dollars every time there is a recording week? I'm telling you what, but it's the work of the Lord. Let me tell you something, guys. We have been doing it all. That, and everything that we've been doing is is been empowered by you. You guys have been amazing. But just know that if you're listening to this, you've been following the ministry for a while, and you know you've never considered partnering with a ministry financially. You're like, well, any kind of time you give a ministry money, it's just they're just stealing from you. Or that. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> we are not stealing a dime. What we are doing, we're helping real people, and we have a long list of people that need help. And I'll tell you what, I'm crying out on their behalf. They don't have a voice, but I do. And I'm telling you, they need your help. And, um, you know, the more that we are able to raise folks, just this is the reality, the more survivors we can commit to. And when you hear Elena and when you listen to some of the other survivors that we have on, you are understand why this is the heartbeat of God. Um, anyway, we have been running the fireplace. Church, we're so excited about it. We are moving to two nights. We're going to be Friday night. We're going to be Sunday night. Folks, um, in order to do what we have done, let me tell you, you may not realize just how much Bride Ministries has expanded. Um, not only do we have five contractors through Bride Ministries working with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and the government-sponsored mind control agendas, we also have a director of production. We also have a finance guy to, to handle our, our, our budgeting and all of the incoming and outgoing. We have uh, Nikki, who is my administrative assistant. We have Darla. Now, Nikki and Darla are employees of Bride Ministries. Darla, who is the coordinator for the Fireplace Church to make sure that it's executed in such a way that week after week, there are groups, there are moderators, there are questions going out. There is a website that's getting updated. I am not doing all this work, folks. Let me tell you something. I am not a one-man show at all. And uh, let me tell you uh, what we are doing, the ability to have employees, uh, people that are working to make sure that everything that God has put in us is is continuing to go forth. That's being empowered by you. It, you are making it possible. Man, if you have been inspired by what we have done, I, I want to really encourage you. Look, there's a lot of people waiting for your help. Um Get on board with us financially. It's really easy. You can just make donations at our websites, fireplacechurch.org, bridemovement.com. I'm really looking forward to a lot of things in the future, guys. This is another thing that I, I do need to um, make clear, though. You know, for all of the expansion that we're doing, the demand is beginning to increase. There, there is an increase. There's been a shift in the spirit, folks. And what we have been talking about, um, some of the strange stuff, the weird stuff, the deliverance stuff, the inner healing stuff, all that, is being noticed and recognized and um it's going to need to to go forth to bigger and larger platforms and um it's just it, it's just really exciting folks we have not been doing this in vain and, and this is not just a fly-by-night show here um we are building something very real very big and um we are actually hitting transition points now it's very very exciting um folks we're going to be talking with elena today Elena is a survivor cum laude. Uh, wow. Her story, her bravery, amazing. We're going to be with her in just a minute. Thanks for being with us. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall here to talk with Elena. And folks, you are going to remember Elena from a number of past interviews that I have done. I have had Elena with me with Carolyn Hamlet. I've had her with me with Robert Van Dries Mitchell. And we also did a program a while back called Montauk and Boots on the Ground, where we talked about what happened when we traveled to Point Montauk, New York, to pray on the ground. And I'll tell you what, folks, if you haven't caught those programs, you need to. You can find them on YouTube. You can go to www.bridemovement.com. Find them on our uh, radio archive page there. But Elena is a survivor of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas. Uh, She has also been able to receive help to overcome all of the crimes and trauma that was committed against her through Bride Ministries and, in reality, your generosity. Because it's survivors like Elena that Bride Ministries has committed to help. And we do so because of the donations that we're able to raise and receive to um, cover the costs from people like myself and other coaches that are part of the Bride Ministries uh, Dissociative Identity Disorder Coaching Community. And so, folks, I'll tell you what, Elena is an extremely amazing woman. And Elena, Without going any further, welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss my testimony or bring it forth. Amen. You know, and that's exactly why you're here, Elena, because we've talked about a lot of components and, and specific things. You know, with Robert, we were, we were talking about Thoth, we were talking about Ma'at, we were talking about parallels between yours and, and his information. Um, with Carolyn, we were talking about types and degrees of hybrids. Of course, we we got into what happened when we went to Montauk back in April when we uh, did that program, but we have not gotten really into your story. We haven't really gotten into you know, what's the journey that you have personally traveled? We've simply talked about components of information and uh, just specific things. And so, folks, today we are here to journey with Elena. We're going to journey into her story, her information, where she's come from, who she is, what she has overcome um, with a very personal vantage point. And so, you know, Elena, in in getting started on telling your story, things really kind of kick off around 2009. Because during that time, you hit a point in life where, where suicide became a very real option for you. And you had been a Christian for many years leading up to that point, but things just really hit the fan. I want to start there. Tell us about 2009 and how that became a significant transition point in your life. 
that really was the launch pad, the ground zero of discovering what has happened to me throughout my entire life. And I will just kind of preface it a little bit. I was living in an extended stay in the Chicago area. I was homeless, but I wasn't alone. I had my little girl with me who was profoundly disabled. Um, and not only that, um, my other children, my older children, um, there was some very um, extreme things going on with them. And I began to start noticing some very odd uh, supernatural things that, you know, it became, it, this was the beginning of it, and it kept going from this. I mean, I'm sure they happened prior to then, but by this time, it had become so bad that, you know, I would have to be in a coma not to recognize it. Mm. Um, uh, one of the first um, incidences I remember is coming in with my um, daughter, and we had been to the grocery store. Now, you've got to understand, if you've ever been to a place like Extended Stay, basically what it is is a studio. And this one had a big plate glass window. And opened the windows and got her situated with her little Sesame Street and her SpaghettiOs. And all of a sudden, I got so sick and so dizzy that I couldn't even stand up. So, you know, I just left the groceries and I barely made it to the bed. And I just, and I mean, we're talking two steps, all right? So mm -hmm. I get on the bed and pass out and the next thing I knew because it was about one o'clock in the afternoon I woke up it was dark out I missed the entire day but that isn't what's really wrong what's really wrong is that everything was exactly like it was prior to me passing out she was still watching the same exact show in the same exact spot eating the same amount of SpaghettiOs Eight oh, hours after. Eight hours later, right. You pass out. Right. You wake up. It is dark outside, and your daughter is eating the same quantity of SpaghettiOs, watching right. the same program in the same spot. Exactly. My goodness. Well, then, like, that's weird. But um, I guess the next thing that happened was um, on some very trumped-up charges. They put my oldest son in prison. And um, I, at that point, because the most important thing to me are my children, um, I just went into, uh, I, I, I can't even explain it, I, I <sighs> broke down. I broke down. I, I never have cried like that in my life. I mean, it was just a pain that I can't, it, it, you know, I'm like, Lord, put me in prison, not him. It was wrong what they did to him. It was so wrong. And I couldn't get help from anybody. And so that's when I decided that um, maybe Nietzsche was right, that God was dead and he died of a broken heart and I wanted to be next. So I wasn't sure how I was going to do this because I have this little girl and I can't really justify how I'm going to get this to work. So, of course, I try to enlist God's help. God, 
could you kill me now because I can't live anymore. I cannot live like this, not one more minute. And I, I was curled up in a ball and I had the um, covers over my head and I said, okay, I'm gonna close my eyes and when I open them, I'm gonna be out of here. And I just wanted to die. When I haven't discussed or all the things that led up to that moment, that those were the things that just launched me into this severe emotional trauma. And um, God is really good. In, instead, mm. um, it became very clear to me what I needed to do was go on a fast. <laughs> I, uh, so I went on a fast mm-hmm. for about three days. And I didn't stop crying during this fast. I mean, it was just nonstop all the time. Um, And about a day and a half into the fast, I heard this very loud voice. Stop it. What? (laughs) Stop it. And I'm looking around. Where did that come from? I mean, it was like inside, but it wasn't. You know, I was like, what is that voice? And then I heard this. It was very stern. Get up. Get a shower. Get yourself cleaned up, and you're going to learn a few things here in the next month. At the end of the month, I'm getting you out of here. Okay? That sounds good, but where is that voice coming from? I think maybe I'm losing it. Okay, but I'll do what it says because that sounds better than laying here and wanting to cry yourself to death. Mm. So I, I, I got up, and I got a shower, and um, even the, the – even, fix my hair a little bit and put on some makeup. I was feeling a little better, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I come sit down in front of the computer and the first thing that comes up is my YouTube. And there was the the uh, some documentaries about 911 being not exactly the official story. And my jaw just dropped and I said my goodness I knew that those buildings didn't come down that fast you know from a plane and and then it just kind of expanded from there I really went on this guided research um, period of time where I learned about everything about the economy about you know the, the, the these various um, factions and all right so the day passed and um, instead of, you know, constantly looking for a job, I spent the day getting an education. And now my little girl is coming home from school and I get her off the bus. She walks in the door now. She's eight years old and profoundly disabled. She looks up in the corner and says, oh, hi. Now, this is the same counter. I heard the corner. I heard this voice coming from. Oh, hi. I said, who are you talking to? And she said, Gabriel, right there. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh, okay. (laughs) If you say so, you know. Mm -hmm. um, And this is kind of what went on for the next month. Now, the story doesn't end there. During the next month, I began to experience some of the strangest, most incredibly bizarre things that anybody should ever have to try to navigate without losing your mind. Um, I began to see, uh, well, gray aliens come through the window. 
I threw a shoe at them and told them to leave in the name of Jesus. They came back the next day and tried to choke me in my sleep. Oh, my gosh. There was one night where um, Emily was sitting there, and she starts spelling out A-Z-A-Z-E-L, and she's singing this. And, and I, I, I asked my daughter, I said, what are, what are you singing? And she just kept saying it over and over and over again. So I, I grab a little notebook, and I write it down. And I go put it into the Google search bar and I about fell off my chair because it was the name of this demon called Azazel. And I thought she was singing an A to Z alphabet song. I mean, I didn't know anything about any of this kind of thing. I did not really believe that um, the demonic realm was um, actively involved with this this is programming, okay, because I should have known because of the things that had happened in my own life. I mean, I believe that there was evil in the world, but I just didn't believe that they used things like technologies. And I certainly didn't believe in anything like aliens until I saw one. <laughs> who, I mean, who wants to believe that that's true? And, you know, you, you bring up so many common factors, Elena, that I think need to be highlighted. One, um... What survivors go through does not, it, it's not uncommon for that suicide thing to come to the forefront, to just want to die, to, you know, that is so relevant for a lot of people that are on the same journey you were on and are on, Elena, and, and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you bring it up because it's just a reminder to those that are listening, like, they're not alone. Uh, you weren't, you felt alone. But there are people all over that are going through this, trying to sort it out. Daniel, at that point in my life, um, I had had a life journey where I had put myself through large quantities of education. I had worked as a college professor. I had been an executive director of a nonprofit, and just about everything I tried hmm. failed. Um, my husband had beat me so bad that um, my hamstring had come off my hip. I was walking with a limp, and I had to go up and down three flights of stairs every single day with this little girl that didn't walk very well. Um, I had to carry her on my hip, um, and I'd had a whole lifetime of things like this. So at this point, as much as I wanted to believe that God cared about me, I just wasn't sure anymore. I mean, you just get to that point where... You just got to look at the truth in the face and say, well, where are you? Hmm. And there he was. Well, he was right there with me. In spite of all this other stuff that was going on, he was right there. Now it begins to get weirder. Mm -hmm. Now I'm beginning to see um, what some people call UFOs of all different sizes and shapes. I saw them... Um, uh, in the clouds I saw them at night in the form of all different kinds of shapes and I'm beginning to worry about my sanity at this point so I begin to take pictures <laughs> so, and you know at the same point you know just feeling completely nuts that I'm pointing pictures at stuff that other people can't see but I could and you know I began to take pictures and um, some of the things that would show up in the footage you know, I am a film director, and, uh, you know, I, I understand things about taking footage and then putting it within the programs, and I would begin to adjust the lighting 
and the lighting didn't work right on this stuff. It wasn't. It did not work like it worked. It, it did not pixelate out the way it was supposed to. It was very odd. So I thought, okay, all right. Then there was the night that they spoke through my computer speakers at me. Um, it was a voice that spoke to me in a foreign language. And I jumped up and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I don't have to listen to this. And I, and I spoke in um, my prayer language. And all of a sudden, clear as English, it is English. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, of course you don't. It's a heavenly language. And I yanked the plug. <laughs> so, mm. and so <laughs> I pulled that computer apart and threw it in the garbage and, and, and built another one. I mean, because I wasn't going to even. Now, what was odd, when I pulled that computer apart, the entire computer was covered with some kind of weird, spongy fiber material on the inside, which I still don't know what that was. Now it starts getting crazier. I began to see little teeny, teeny gray aliens. I mean, like the size of a fingernail would show up on like my daughter's face in the pictures. I would sit there at night because I wasn't going to go to sleep at night anymore. I was going to stay up and keep watch over my daughter. Um, I began to see things on her face. I began to hear black helicopters. I mean, right at my window, shaking the whole room. Um, one day we came in and I saw what some people would call a man in black coming out of my hotel room. When he walked past me, it was just this evil and chill. And he wasn't right. He had, didn't walk right, and he had this white, pasty-looking, greenish skin. And I thought, okay, what what is that about? So Now, with that story, uh, uh, I want you to step back just a minute, because I, I'm familiar. You've told me this privately. Um, was that man in black anticipating that he would find you in the hotel room I startled him he was not expecting me to catch him as a matter of fact um, later that evening I felt this horrible chill coming um, like through the wall <laughs> there's just no way of really explaining this it was just all of a sudden it was like it was summertime the air conditioning got hyper cold but it wasn't any different. It was on the same settings. So I walked out in the hall, and I look, and the door is cracked open to the room next to mine. And I look in there, and all oh, the evil that came out of there was so bad. And I thought, the, why is that door open? The, you know, what did the maids forget to close it, or the, you know, whatever? But the air conditioning wasn't on in that room, and it was icy cold. I don't know what he was doing in there, but I do know that they were they were running surveillance on me, obviously. But no, he wasn't expecting me to catch him. Folks, um, let me tell you something. Uh, working with survivors has violated my worldview in every way imaginable. Um, this is just another reason why, but if you've been listening to my program for a while, your worldview has undoubtedly been violated as well. So this should be nothing new for many of you. Um, but this, you know, is, is real. It, it, it's what really happened. And that's the thing that we have to come to grips with is that, you know, well, do these weird greenish skinned beings walk around and harass people? <laughs> Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. 
Welcome to the real world. Go ahead, Alina. Daniel, it violated my worldview. Okay. I, I could not wrap my head around this. That's okay. why I was taking this. Uh, wait a minute. This isn't right. I, and I kept saying, this is just too Steven Spielberg. This is something weird. I mean, this is not real. And, and there was a whole piece of me that would not accept, even though I'm taking pictures of it and dealing with it, that this was going on. But it was. And, you know, when a little girl such as mine um, knows it's going on, she would tell me when there was monsters around. She would tell me what their names were. She saw them, too. Now, it, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say with the, the disability is Down syndrome. She is not capable of making things up. She is just not intellectually capable of doing it. So um, she would talk to, she would see what she called the monkeys. Um, she would call the monkeys. Um, and, and now I know what those beings were. Um, by the way, um, when I passed that thing in the hall, that little man in black thing, the evil on him was so strong that it nauseated me. I mean, it just, and that was strange is there was nothing stolen. I couldn't find anything that was stolen. It was just like he was going through things. Later on, I found out what they did do was they got into my records. So a lot of my um, medical stuff had been tampered with. And then it gets even more interesting. When I went to go to the doctor's office, because I had a medical disability that I couldn't get any help with. Oh, their, their medical records were missing, too. So, you know, I've, I've had to encounter, you know, trying to put pieces of my life back together that are completely missing. So um, they are capable of doing that. Mm, mm, mm. I would hear walking around on the roof. <laughs> I, there was nowhere for anybody except the roof. I mean, there was my room and then there was the roof. Um, my bed would vibrate at night. And I'm like, okay, I'm imagining that. I'd go get a glass of water and stick it on the bed just to see if the water would jiggle, and it did. So when I rebuked it in the name of Jesus, it stopped. I would have high-pitched ringing and pulsating tones in my head that was not just in my head. It was in my ears. It was inside. It was horrible, horrible, and it, it would make me cry. I would walk in the room. I had a cat who had had kittens. And they had ripped the heads off all my cats. And at first, I thought the mother cat did it, but that didn't make any sense. Why would a mother cat do that? Mm. And on top of that, the mother cat was so depressed, she, she, she was completely freaked out by what had happened. But that's not the first time I've had my pets mutilated. Uh, it went from there. Um, well, most of the nights, I oh, go ahead. sit up all night watching over my daughter I anointed everything in the room again and again I would confess and repent of anything I could think of any sometimes I would even think if I should make something up you know like maybe there's something I missed you know so um, maybe there's something that I haven't confessed that I don't know about I took communion uh, you know, I understood that the weapons of my warfare were not carnal, but mighty for pulling down of strongholds. Uh, you know, when these things, you know, in the morning, I'd get up and I'd open up that plate glass window and these ships were coming at me. <laughs> one day, no. one day. Okay, go ahead. 
Okay, we're going to have to let you describe what you mean when you say ships were coming at you. Obviously, there weren't physical craft crashing through the side of the wall in the hotel. But what was happening? They would camouflage themselves inside of clouds. Mm-hmm. And they, I have never seen an opaque cloud park outside my window before. Usually they're in the sky. No, this one was at my window, right at my window. How many stories up were you? Three stories up. Cloud parked outside the window at three stories above ground? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then I began to um, uh, see these, um, oh, on the wall, mm-hmm. I would like, I guess I'll use a Ghostbusters word, ectoplasm, for lack of a better word. It was this slimy, icky, gooey stuff on the wall and on the carpeting. And, uh, you know, that would be another thing. I'd sit up and I'd clean it up. Uh, And uh, what is going on here? I, I just couldn't figure it out. So one morning I open up my window and I see this big giant serpent type cloud at my window. Hmm. And and I saw um, another um, uh, formation, and this wasn't a cloud. This was more of something that was like superimposed over a tree, but it was a gray alien head, a big one. I didn't believe in these things now. Remember that. I didn't believe in any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm staring at this and then i'm seeing um another um thing pull (laughs) a cloud that pulled up to my window and it shot it like looked like it was blowing out these little tiny black insects that actually went through my window through the window through the window I closed the drapes really quick. <laughs> I was standing there rebuking this thing in the name of Jesus. I'm just rebuking it. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, you can't come near me. And and I'm I'm reminding them of the lake of fire. And the one thing I did remember telling them is that, you know what I am and you're not? Because they're trying to get in your head. You can feel it. You know, and I've got the full armor on. I can feel that they're trying to get in my head. And, you know, they're telling me that God can't hear me, that I'm worthless and all this stuff. I said, you know what? You might be right. But one thing I am that you're not, I'm forgiven and you're not. And therefore, you got to go in Jesus name. <laughs> shut, well, shut, shut the drapes and then get <laughs> on my face before. And I'm just weeping. I'm like, God, what is this? What is this? This is terrible. That voice came to me again. And I had told that snake I was going to chop her head off in the name of Jesus. Hmm. And the voice told me that, you know, if I wanted to chop off more heads, that we would have, you know, I was very brave and very courageous. But if I wanted to chop off more heads, that I was going to have to strategize a little better. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I just started crying and laughing at the same time because I knew that was the word of the Lord that came to me, but I did not know what to do. I was stuck. 
I was stuck. There was no money to get out of there. And I had this little girl, and I don't know what to do. And so then it gets even more interesting from that point. Well, before um, we get to more interesting, I do want to um, just put something out there for those of you that are listening and saying, that's weird. Serpent cloud outside the window. Uh, craft cloud outside the window, three stories up. What's the deal? Well, you know, everything that the occult does and the powers of darkness do is a counterfeit of what God can do, has done, or will do. And the reality is that in Psalm 68, verse 4, it says, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, exalt, extol him who rides on the clouds. So if God rides on the clouds, guess who else might want to hijack or pirate some thing like that? As a matter of fact, Psalm 104, verse 3 says, He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot. Um, there is a lot of significance to what clouds can do or be used for in Scripture. And, you know, looking at how the dark side is manipulating this present day should really come as no surprise if we're going to take what the Bible says at face value. Um, I just wanted to put that out there, Elena, and now allow you to take us into even more interesting. <laughs> well, as long as you're on that subject, sure. one of the um, things that occurred to me, there was a few things. Um, the first one is is that the wicked are really good at something called plausible deniability. They're really good at that. Um, secondly, um, they will use them as camouflage. They will camouflage um, whatever it is they're doing in the clouds. Also, because I had you know had been so, I mean, I would be driving. I mean quite some way and I would have one cloud that would follow me for two hours that same cloud I mean that doesn't happen so you know I began to do a little bit of a word study and I found that there is a real connection between the Nephilim the Raphaim the locust and dark clouds so I encourage anybody to go ahead and look that up because there is a connection there mm. particularly in the biblical language um, but I'll take you one step further. Okay. Months before all this started happening, I was taking a picture of my kitty cat. And I put my camera up on a tripod because it was nighttime with a very long exposure. I, I never looked at the pictures. I just kind of, t it was months later, I was looking at the pictures I took. And these are not clouds. <laughs> These are metallic craft. And by the way, they can come in any size and it, it, occupy any space. You, you can't um, take 3D as any kind of gauge on what you're dealing with. They can be mega size. They can be nano size. They can be any size they want to be. Um, and that will bring me to the next thing, which would be the insects because I came up across so many very, very odd, odd anomalies um, to the point that, you know, rather than just accept everything at face value, I am a researcher, and I would contact, you know, schools that have 
um, really strong etymology departments. And you very quickly learn that the weaponization of insects is not that unusual. It goes way, way back. The Egyptians did it. But, it, you know, in more recent times, they, they, World War II, the Japanese were doing it. So um, insects as, um, as weapons is not a new idea. And I began to learn in a very real way what this is about. So um, through a series of some very supernatural occurrences, the Lord did take me out of there a month later. And I ended up, of all things, in Arkansas, right outside of Little Rock. One of the individuals that helped me do this, which is very odd, too, I still haven't quite figured this out, except the Lord is not beyond using the wicked to accomplish his goals for somebody. Um, I ended up... Um, the first couple months I was down there um, with a, uh, she was a multiple. And she is a very, very powerful practitioner of voodoo. And I believe that the wicked had um, in mind to reprogram me through this individual. This individual um, practiced very, very dark things, and I actually, um, I was standing next to her when I took a picture out the window, and there is a, de a demon head right there on the, the wall. You can't mistake it for what it is. It's there in a few frames, and then it's gone. Um, so I began to experience some of this. Well, she is the first one that told me that I was a, uh, uh, what did she say I was? Um, a monarch she said that I was a multiple and I had no clue what she was talking about but she said that the Lord had given it to her to help me with this she also called me a few other things that weren't very nice but it totally triggered me she told me I was a reptile <laughs> I'm like I love Jesus and at the time I had learned just enough about the nebulum that I'm like, if I'm one of those, I can't even be saved. Oh, that just did it for me. I'm mm. like, I just I just said, forget about it, lady. <laughs> uh-uh. Um, at which point, I became her favorite target of just about every voodoo trick in the book. Yeah. I learned an awful lot. I learned an awful lot about these things. I also learned um, about a, a number of other things. Like, for instance, I learned about the Sasquatch. I've seen their footprints in my yard, and I'm not the only one that has saw those footprints. Um, I learned how to pray against those UFOs coming at your window. Um, I can recount that experience, and I would do so so your listeners can understand that I'm nobody special. They can do it, too. One night, I mean, this was regular for me. It was every night. It was every day. It was relentless. It was nonstop, and it went on for years. And... Um, you know, I learned the, the warfare scriptures and to put on the full armor of God. And um, I learned how to pray against some of this stuff. And I put anointing oil on my shoes and went and marched around my yard. I anointed my trees. I mean, I did everything I could think of to do. I went on um, websites to learn. I didn't even know what voodoo was until I stepped in something and it made my foot go on fire. 
that's called hot foot. And yeah, I mean, I learned about that and started finding um, mutilated animals and um, piles of bones and, oh, liquor bottles in the crawl space under my house and um, even more whacked out uh, insects than I had already dealt with. Um, uh, strange mushrooms. These, they look like something out of a cartoon. They were tall and orange. I would find um, uh, these uh, rocks that um, they looked like turquoise, but the inside were made out of some kind of dust. I found computer, weird computer pieces in my yard. Um, so I learned, I mean, after a while, you get kind of tired of being harassed. Um, and so I went outside. They were coming at my window. And I said, I've had enough of this. And I went, uh, locked up the door so my daughter was safe and I went into my backyard and I planted my feet and I looked at this thing that was coming at me I said in the name of Jesus I command you to leave um it came closer <laughs> fun uh, and I'm like oh, I better get back inside and the word of the Lord came to me he said when you speak the name of Jesus you do not back down because you don't have to <laughs> I said, okay, because, you know, you can feel what's ever on those things. You can feel it. I mean, your hair stands up on the back of your neck, and you can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it in your entire being. And I'm pretty sure that I was flanked by the heavenly host as well, um, but I couldn't see them. I could just hear them. And um, I said, okay, all right, I won't back down. We never retreat from a fight we know we've won, ever. Okay, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> the Lord rebuke you, get out of my yard. All of a sudden, I saw that thing fly straight up in the air. And then I saw it sink down into the horizon and there was smoke coming off of it. I said, whoa, I'm glad that's done. <laughs> and... I went in the house, and after I stopped shaking, all I did was thank the Lord, tears running down my face at his goodness to me. Then there was the time they tried to steal Emily, which is my daughter, um, right out of my house. They took her right out of my living room. Um, I was out in the shed putting some things away. I wasn't out there for more than five, ten minutes. And, you know, I, by this time, after the incident where I had passed out, I was like, hyper vigilant over her so how she got out of that house is beyond me um the door was open and she was gone and i start bellowing all over the neighborhood like a freak you know i'm just yelling for her and the next door neighbor comes out from the house and he said um i'll help you and so he goes out and there was a a, a road that kind of ran on the outside of my house he runs out and I said, form a roadblock. And I just began to, I called a, a prayer partner. I said, we have to pray to get my daughter back. They took her. They took her. <clears throat> An angel brought her back. All of a sudden, I hear a shout, we got her. And I go running down the hill because it was, you know, it was pretty much a sprint from my, because I was out in a rural area. And he's got her in, in, in his arms and he hands her to me and I look at this this man and his eyes look right through my skull I've never seen eyes like that ever and he has white hair 
And I could feel this presence coming off of him. And I looked at him and he winked at me. And then all of a sudden I realized the car he was driving was the car that I had when I was pregnant with my daughter. Wow. He drove off. He drove off and he disappeared. He disappeared. Disappeared. So now I get her back and it had been raining out really bad for days. And I my daughter has bare feet. Her feet aren't even dirty. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to point something out at this juncture here. Um, the moral of the story. Uh, folks, I talk a lot about the kingdom of God. And I, I just can't help but chime in at this point because what Elena actually illustrated is what I call partnering with the resources of heaven. Uh, she, she was actually speaking to a uh, spiritual slash physical, you know, enemy. This craft was harassing her. Um, people are dealing with this that are listening to this program because you're looking for keys. How do we find a solution to the problems we are having? Let me tell you, your solution is kingdom thinking, partnering with the resources of heaven and realizing that as you serve Jesus and confront the things, the powers of darkness that are coming against you, in his name with faith. You're able to engage the resources of the kingdom you belong to and it's the armies of heaven and their weapons and all of the things going on in the spirit that will surround and be activated by our faith and obedience to Jesus that creates havoc for the enemy they don't have a solution for. That's what's going on. Now, Elena didn't know nearly what she knows about the kingdom back then, but she did have Jesus and she had the coaching of the Holy Spirit. And it's a lesson Amen. for all of us. Because it certainly, it certainly wasn't coming off the internet. <laughs> I kept looking. Just like you said. I mean, oh, what is going on here? Is there anybody else that has gone through this? And, and you know, trying really hard to become, to stay a rational, grounded human being. When you have like great aliens coming through your window, that's very difficult. So, um, and, and I wasn't finding any answers. And, oh, there's one more. Mm -hmm. They shot at me. They shot at me. One night, I came out of my house. Um, I, I think I was throwing out the trash or something. Now, you got to imagine, it's just me and my little girl down there. That's it. And some really good protection from my Jesus. I take the trash out and I see one of these, well, I call them, um, they're too low to be stars. They're not colored right. They're like orange and they flash different colors. And they will, they move. They'll actually drop down and, and come at you. They will, they will come at you. And I'm taking the garbage out. I get tired of it. You know, it's like, you know, leave me alone. I'm not doing anything to you. Just leave me alone. And um, this thing 
drops down and starts coming at me. I put the trash in the trash can. I said, you know what? In the name of Jesus, you go too. Now, now, you know, I'm very encouraged by this last experience I have. I'm thinking, you know, I'm all bad or something, you know, and it shot at me. Boom, this thing comes through my body and it knocks all my porch lights out. Bam! I mean, that just made me jump about five feet in the air. All my porch lights, get, all the light bulbs were completely blown out and my hair stood straight up on my head all the way around like I'd stuck my finger in an electric socket. I run in the house, slam the door. Actually, um, I had a neighbor there that um, she saw it. She saw it and she heard it. She came out. She goes, "What was that?" And and not wanting to be crazy, I'm like, uh, "I'm not sure." And so anyway, I go in the house and I'm like, "Now I'm getting mad. Now I'm getting mad. You shot at me. Wait a minute. You don't belong here. And why did you shoot at me? I have. Wait a minute. The word says, "Touch not mine anointed." You have no right to shoot at me so I go run out back outside and I, I said you know what for that you are now ripped to shreds from this point forward you have no more power the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus and then I peeked out about 15 minutes later and it was gone look at that mm, mm, mm. now I want to say one more thing mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what doesn't work <laughs> Tell us what doesn't work, Elena. Because it was out. <laughs> because you know, like I said, I'm a researcher, so I'm on the internet and I'm looking for this and that and the other thing. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do here? We got all this weird stuff going on. Um, I find something about orcone. Oh no. And so, being the creative that I am, well, I order all the stuff, and I'm down there in Arkansas, and they have the quartz mines, and I take a little trip down there, and I get my quartz, and I come back, and I'm going to make this stuff, right? Don't do it. You don't need it, and it makes it worse. It's all in the garbage. Don't do it. Now, the Lord is very patient with my stupid, okay? So, but anyway, um, just don't do it. It doesn't work, and I think it makes it worse. Homemade orgo um, I also learned, is not in the Bible. It. It's... <laughs> <laughs> So no, and, and neither anybody else's or girl that you order from eBay, which I wouldn't do because it was too expensive. But, you know, at this point, um, what you're doing is um, you're negating to me. This is the way I see it. This is my opinion for what it's worth. You don't need it because the power of God is greater than anything you can mix up with resin, metal shavings and crystals. Thank you. So you are saying that homemade orgone is actually not um, inferior to processed, uh, professionally grown orgone off of eBay. It's actually <laughs> both equally non-effective. Just check. I would say, <laughs> I would say the orgone off of eBay is probably very you don't know where you're getting that from they could have curses and all kinds of other stuff on it you don't know what's on it I would I would say stay away from that Amen. stay away from that. Amen. Folks, you, you don't need it you don't need it okay so. no, and, and I'm, I'm kind of making light of this a little bit but this is actually real because you know people are desperate Alina and and people have tried some really silly things 
to solve very serious and spiritual problems. But you're telling us it is the weapons of our warfare that come through Jesus Christ that become the solution that works. That's right. Now, I began to pick up even crazier things mm. on my camera. Because you can feel it when that's, I even had a friend come visit me and she's like, let's go out and anoint the yard again. Cause we're doing it every day. I mean, we're, and, and I mean, she could feel it too. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, I found a giant, giant footprint in my yard and I showed it to her. I'm like, you see that? She goes, it's okay. Just put the oil on it. Let's just keep praying. <laughs> okay. You know, so, um, and then these, um, insects I saw, um, they look like dragonflies, but they really look like mini helicopters, for lack of a better word. They're drones of some kind, and I have seen the Lord take those out, too. I've seen wasps, bees, and hornets. I have seen um, insects that are metallic. I have seen these little um, black bugs. Um, I've seen flies, that when you hit them with the fly swatter, they don't smash there I've seen uh, beetles that when you pull the wings apart um, there's computer stuff inside of it I have seen um, well I actually got stung by something that wasn't supposed to sting me it's called a wood borer and that's when that voodoo lady threw in a horrible piece of wood in my yard and I had a fireplace and it just didn't register see this is how how programming works. You look at this thing, it doesn't belong in your yard, but you think, oh, it's just a piece of wood. No, it was something bad. Um, it uh, obviously had a little payload in it, and that thing stung me so bad in the back of the neck that you could hear me two blocks away. I did not know, I, and then I saw this giant insect lifting up. Also, on uh, it stung my finger. So this is what you do. You get the anointing oil and you put it on your, wherever they have done this to you, and you speak the word in faith. No weapon formed against me will prosper, and when my enemy comes at me in one direction, he must flee from me in seven and don't back down. Even though you're scared, don't don't back down. You stand your ground. We never back down from a fight. We know we win. Victory's already been given to us. We don't back down. Um, I saw, uh, and as long as we're on the subject of insects, one day I saw a drone come over my house. It would look like a dragonfly, but that thing was about a foot and a half long. Oh, gosh. No, I didn't. I know. I mean, it's, you know, and, and all, all the while, I'm, okay, this is another thing you don't do. Don't trust what you read on internet forums. <laughs> Because they don't know either. <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to figure it out too. The, you're, the, the one that will lead you into all truth is the Holy Spirit. Now, that said, the Lord is not above using the internet to teach you. But really, before you sit down to try to figure out what's going on, ask him for his assistance and he will lead you. Now, at the same time, um, I was in um, that hotel room. 
I started getting these horrible sores. This is before Arkansas, all over me. And I found all this stuff about Morgellons. Except mine didn't really fit those parameters, but it still did to some extent. I quickly learned that most of the remedies that they recommend on the forums don't work. In fact, some of them even make it worse. So um, I have now since come to understand what was going on in those days. I was being implanted, and my body was trying to reject it. So that is, you know, just to back up a little bit. So now I'm in Arkansas, and my daughter is safe and sound, and I am finding that my records are being tampered with. I'm having a hard time getting um, what, what most people can do in a half an hour with days on end of just wrestling with it. That was just on a more 3D level. At the same time, now I'm starting to get dreams. Some of the dreams were pretty astounding. And I just, um, you know, and you're trying to weed through, what is this? It didn't feel like a dream. The one dream that I had, it came in three parts, same night, even after I got up and got a cup of coffee and went back to sleep. I got up, got a cup of coffee, talked to the Lord, went back to sleep. It continued right where it left off. Um, and I now know what this was, was some of my disassociated um, parts trying to tell me what was going on. So now I'm reaching out to ministries that do this, although I really didn't trust it because, you know, this woman had told me this and I'm not too sure what's a lie, what's truth. Um, and I connected with Doug Briggs and he connected me with a survivor and we emailed back and forth for a good portion of 2012. And I'm really glad I did that because I now have um, journal, because to me an email is a journal um, entry. We have a date and a timestamp on it um, of some of this, these dreams that I was having. But I still didn't understand why I was getting so slammed. And really, to this day, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, except that I had, through what had been done to me, some um, absolutely horrible demonic attachments. And um, one of the dreams I had was of, uh, I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about Egypt <laughs> outside of what I learned in high school. And, you know, maybe a little bit of the mythology that you got in some class in college. But um, I really, you know, I knew about the pyramids and, you know, I knew about some of the museum stuff. But to be honest with you, even when I was in Chicago, I never went down to the Smithsonian mm -hmm. or whatever it is down there. That the that wasn't the Smithsonian. It was the uh, uh, the the field museum. Field museum at the field museum. Right. right. So um, I I never visited any of that. So, but I kept wondering this this dream I had. Um, this very uh, big man. He was in a very, I call it a pharaoh in a $2,000 Armani suit. He had a very expensive like, silk suit on. And we were in the back of a limousine, and he had me. And he had um, my daughter. When he got in the car and he sat down, he sat down on one of her dirty diapers. And I kept trying to tell him, you're sitting on this diaper. And 
he gets out, he has the limousine pull over and he said, um, get it off of me. And he's ordering me around and I'm like waiting on him. And I thought, oh, that's, you know, when I woke up, I'm like, what is that about? Now, here's the thing. In the dream, we went to a place where everything in this place, all vehicles were anti-gravity vehicles. They, there was big pyramids and there was temples and there was um, holograms with advertising on it. It was like a, 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 a science fiction movie. I mean, I, I, I'm not a science fiction fan. I, and I, anyway, um, and he is getting up to speak before this crowd. And he's got me, and he's dragging me up on this platform with him. And as he does, I'm looking, and there's all these gray aliens with motorcycle helmets on, and they're on these hover hover bikes. They look like motorcycles, but they don't, they hover. They don't go on the road. And they just kind of parted for me, and I went and I took my designated seat on the platform. Remember, I felt, it was Emily and I, and we felt like, I did, a hostage. I felt like I was a hostage in this dream. Now, I wake up. When I wake up, I'm in a stargate. I did not know that's what it was then. But I have this large circular tube around my head with all these lights. And I'm in some kind of, and, and I see all these lights flashing all the way around me. Now, and when I woke up, so are I, you saying felt, that you woke oh, up into a physical reality of this thing around your neck, or you woke up into another dream? No, I woke up, and I could see it with my eyes. Mm. I could see this. It, it looked like, <laughs> looked like a stargate. You know, because then after that, I go searching for what this was because I was very troubled by it. I, I start looking in, um, you know, Egyptology, and I, I'm like, I kept looking for this creature. Who is this creature? We did not discover who this was until I started working with you. Okay. Um, and there was more than one of them, um, and we've, we've now dealt with them. And... Um, so I call him the Pharaoh, and it was Pharaoh Ptah. We dealt with him very early into into um, the counseling. Now, okay, so I get through the Arkansas thing, and eventually I, the Lord took me out of there too. And he brought me to the location I'm in now. And... Um, I'm still seeing things that are absolutely unmanageable. I'm seeing um, I'm seeing planes that look like something out of Snoopy and the Red Baron, just hovering in the sky, just still, like it's parked at a stop sign, and it's a prop plane. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm seeing. Um, I'm seeing oh, oh uh, creatures run across the road, and I'm seeing I'm just seeing more and more stuff, and, and I'm thinking oh boy, you know, it doesn't seem to be getting any better by moving. Which, by the way, if you have this going on in your life, moving is that's another thing that does not work. It will just follow you. Moving doesn't work. So if you think you're gonna move and you're gonna fix it, no, you're not. So it'll follow you. Um, and so one night I'm listening on a broadcast 
and I hear Daniel Duvall speaking. And one of the things that really appealed to me was something that I had seen very few people say. And it's something that I had lived and experienced. You know, there's people out there are heavy, heavy into it's the end of the world and it's all doom, 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 doom. Um, you know, some people even call it doom porn. Um, <laughs> they're like addicted to it or something. Um, and I'm asking the question at this time because I've been fighting it. Yeah, but what about God's people? What is our role in it? And I hear Daniel Duvall speaking on this program. And basically, the gist of what he said is God's people have a very important role to play. I'm like, yes, that's true. You know, <laughs> that is so, so awesome. <laughs> I'm high-fiving you, Daniel. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. Because I know. I've seen the UFOs fall out of the sky. And so... Um, but then he's talking about this DID thing again. I'm like, oh, here we go again. The DID thing. All right, all right. So I didn't pay much, never mind. Well, I was working on, um, I do um, cookies as an art form. <laughs> Each cookie that I decorate takes me an hour to do, and I was doing them for the arrival of my first granddaughter. And uh, I can, had... can I just comment on the yes. cookies? Now, folks, let me tell you something. I have not had the privilege of enjoying one of Elena's cookies yet, but I have seen pictures. And let me tell you something. I am believing God for an opportunity to enjoy one of those pieces of art. You know, they say that cooking can be done with love. Um. Well... The love that goes into the cookies Elena bakes can literally be felt through the pictures that are taken of these <laughs> morsels of goodness. So I just want to say, um, yeah, that's, 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 the, wow. Go ahead. Cookies. Mm -hmm. Daniel. Yes. I need to repent. <laughs> I need to send you a Care Bear box of Daniel Duvall. <laughs> I will receive that care package. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I'm working on all these cookies for this shower. And I have now Daniel Duvall, and I'm listening to, because I know about you, I've gone now on your YouTube channel, and I'm listening to your interviews with Carolyn Hamlet. As I'm listening and cookie making and decorating, my spirit is just going, my insights are just resonating and connecting. And now I'm like starving. I'm listening to everything you have on your channel, which is like 100 videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I listen to everyone. I listen to every single one of them. I'm like, you know what? I probably should, should, oh, but I don't want to. What if he's like that lady? You know, I'm, I'm getting all worried about that. I'm like, ugh, I don't know. We'll just pray about it. And so um, the month passes, and lo and behold, you're on another interview, and I hear you speaking. And once again, I'm doing the dishes. And I hear that voice come to me. It says, turn the water off and go right right now 
You go send him an email right now. So I turned the water off, I dried my hands, went to the computer and sat down and wrote you that first email, which was in April of 2015. Yes, it was. And so Daniel writes me back and he said, okay, he had a waiting list, but, um, you know, let's go ahead and get the paperwork done and, you know, we'll, we'll get you started when we can. And I'm thinking, but what if I'm not? What if I'm not this? But okay, the Lord told me, all right, I'll do it. So I pull up the paperwork, and the first question on the paperwork is, why do you think you are DID? <laughs> and I answered it back, I don't. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not qualified to make a diagnosis like that. I mean, <laughs> and, and I don't, how can I make a diagnosis like that? So then I proceed to write him a nine page letter. <laughs> <laughs> the first of many. <laughs> many, many um, incidences of the things that the Lord had shown me in my journey of the prior six years from 2009 up until that moment in 2015 I pulled on some of the things that I knew I went and looked up a few things I didn't know and all of a sudden somehow writing that first um, letter to you I knew I, I absolutely knew this had happened to me so um, from that point on um, I've learned ever so much, and I really want to thank you, Daniel, because guess what? Even though there's still an occasional crazy thing that happens, oh, it's so different now. Well, you know, and, and just, I, I'm just praising God for that, Elena. You know, God, and, and we've both learned a lot because what we had to figure out, even um, in journeying through what had been done to you. Uh, became education for me and it still is I mean what we dealt with this morning which we won't get into right now <laughs> um wow <laughs> off the charts well hey you know go ahead go particularly ahead. these technology some of these technologies that they've used these boulders that have been falling out of my head and the glass pieces that have been coming out of my foot when you prayed for my ear. Well, <laughs> well let's, let's talk about that a little bit here. And, and folks, I'm, I'm going to just throw something out there right now. Um, okay, we do have a waiting list at Bride Ministries of Survivors, just like Elena, going through it, wanting help. Um, here's the situation. I think we have about 30 people on our waiting list, which has actually kind of reached a point of stagnation we, we, we're not really being able to pull people off the list anymore until our budget expands period um furthermore until we find more coaches um we only we are always going to have a cap of how many people we help and um until we build a did coaching school we're not going to be able to train coaches to help all of the people that are looking for help that are in situations like elena's in other words what i'm telling you we have a complex problem only part of it is solved by an increase in uh, finances and provision that Bride Ministries is working with. The other part of it is a development. Um, and I'll tell you what, we are looking to go in every direction and create solutions 
as fast as possible, which is why, you know, we're putting this message out there. We're looking for people to partner with. Um, and so just understand if you're listening to this program, you say, wow, I want to reach out to Bride Ministries and get some help. Our situation is kind of dire at the moment. And um, this pro- problem, folks, of, of the programming is huge. It's huge. We're pioneering solutions. But, um, man, are we believing God for some mega increase and some mega, uh, you know, help. You know, we're, we're, we're doing everything that we do um, to the best we can. And uh, there's a lot of people that are waiting. Anyway, I just needed to say that. But, Elena, um, you, <laughs> you have been such a forerunner. Go ahead. If I had not listened to the voice of the Lord to write you when I did, if I had waited, I probably would still be on that list. So Lord is going to guide anybody that's listening. First off, um, I want to direct you to some of the prayers that are on Daniel, uh, the Bride Movement um, website. They're highly effective. And um, I get your emails. So I know. I know some of the things you're going through. It's very similar. If not, some of it is downright so, so similar. It feels like it's, you know, a playbook. Um, So go on Daniel's website and start with those prayers. So by the time you do, there is the coaches available, you'll be way ahead of the game. Go, go get those prayers. The one about the principalities is really powerful. Hmm. Elena, I want to come back now because we, started, we did start working together. And man, uh, right out the gate, this got very interesting. And, and folks, you know, when I was talking with Elena about what we were going to do and, and how we are going to do some storytelling here about her information you know we basically settled on the transition point in our life beginning in 2009 leading up to uh when we began to work together um from this point uh, we're going to begin to get into all of the things that we discovered insofar as memories technology uh components of spirit realm and other realms and dimensions and all the things that were linked in and tied in with her. Um, it just seemed like that would be the most logical flow of, uh, of, of information. And so, you know, Elena, when we did start working, I mean, right out the gate, there was a number of things that were really quite uh, unexpected <laughs> that we ran into. Um, we had to deal with Pharaoh Patel right off the bat. And Azazel, mm-hmm. with him, we dealt with him right off the bat, and then um, the Pharaoh Patah. But I want to begin with some of the threats that I got. Those um, were very, very uh, bizarre. Go, tell me about them. Tell us about those threats. I began to um, have, the, I, they're not real like real dreams. I mean, they are dreams, but they're much more vivid. 
and much more chronological. I mean, when you have a dream about a flying shoe, you understand you thought about your shoes before you went to bed. These come out of the clear blue sky, and they are um, they're they're definitely in a different dimension. Like for instance, I woke up with the I could actually see the stargate around my head. I could actually see that with my eyes. Um, I one of the first things that happened was I had a dream where I was. Um, in a big store, like a grocery store, and I was shopping, and um, they were doing inventory in the, the store, and there was all these little um, <laughs> compartments where they were cataloging what was there and putting it in, in, in order. All right, so I know now what that means. At the time, I didn't. Now, from the back of the store comes this very tall man with these frightening, frightening eyes. Um, <clears throat> So he said, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I've always loved you. And he grabbed me. I said, get your hands off of me. And I start looking around in the store for a manager to help me get rid of this. Uh, There's a stalker in your store, you know. So I can't find one. I get my groceries and I walk out. And he tackles me in the parking lot and he jams a knife into my back. Now, it could be reasonably argued that that was just a dream. However, for the next two and a half weeks, I could not walk. My back was in so much pain, I could not walk. Hmm. Really? Oh, and while he was tackling me down to the ground, there was an image in my mind of that first email that I sent to Daniel Duvall. So the threat was is to stop working with you. Since that time, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have all kinds of things that show up um, to make threats, or we have fake Daniels that show up, you know, that hate me and stuff like that. <laughs> we have we have had a number of incidences like that, but that was my first one. Now. After the second or third session, Daniel, I start getting these bizarre, bizarre lumps all over my head, all over like these, and and my oh, migraine times a hundred. I've never had anything like that. I've had migraines before, but not like that. So um, I go into the emergency room thinking I might be having a stroke. I don't go to doctors unless I really think it's an emergency. I don't trust them. I think there's two snakes going up a pole for a reason. And, you know, healing for hire is not of God. So Hmm. um, I pretty much stay away from them. But I I had to. I had to go in. And they could not figure out what was on the back of my head. They said it was this, it was that. They didn't know. And they recommended, are you kidding? No painkillers, even though I was, like, in all kinds of pain. They gave me um, some kind of steroid. Well, by that time, Daniel, we had been working for about six weeks, and um, I have an alter who has worked in the medical profession who was yelling, don't take it. Tell them you're allergic to it. And I'm just now starting to pay attention to these things. Don't take it. Okay. So I tell him I can't take that. I'm allergic to it. 
So I leave the hospital with a prescription of nothing. Um, and they didn't, they didn't give me the shot that they wanted to give me or whatever it was they were going to do. I get back home and I'm still in agony. I don't know where it came across, but I, oh, it was in something that Fritz Springmeier had written about this exact same drug being a mind control medicine. So what they were trying to do was lock me down some more. It's real, folks. It's a giant web um, of control. And, you know, Elena, I'll just be honest. I mean, this is just the, the reality of the situation. You're not the only survivor that's reported fake Daniels. Um, <laughs> uh, they do not. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> like, what do you do with that? You know, you thought, oh, it just ended with a fake Jesus. Nope. There are fake Daniels and they run around and they hate people. They yell at people. They're really mean. And they look just like me. Come they on, do. man. <laughs> and I had a dream one time where I think there might have been um, two fake Daniels. So <laughs> Oh, double, double trouble. Oh. You know, I actually one time tried. This is so silly. I tried to go to like the courts of heaven and trademark my image. So they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still doing. I said, well, if they could, if they could get the fake Jesus, I mean, you know, uh, it's just a real problem. But you know, it, I'll just say this: if if a, if a, if a Daniel shows up, listeners, in your dream, and he's really mean and nasty, it's it's fake. It's not me. Don't buy the lie. And I, I'll tell you what, Elena, there are really weird things. Every once in a while, someone that listens to my program will actually tell me the weird thing that they did to make them not trust Bride Ministries or or me even by sending like a fake Daniel. Like this, this is actually a real attack. Um, I actually had um, Satan show up. This is kind of funny, though. He showed up. He and he told me that I was that, that I wouldn't work with you, that I needed not to work with you. Mm. And um, I said, "What are you talking about? I'm going to work with Daniel." And the next thing was, "Well, if you stop working with Daniel, then I will fix your financial problems." At which point, I started laughing. I said, are you kidding? You have kept me in financial poverty my entire life, and all of a sudden you're going to lie to me and give me something? No. Get out of here in Jesus' name. And that was that. Remember that? I do remember that. (laughs) (laughs) You're leaving out an important part, but I do understand why you left that part out. Um, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave that part out. (laughs) I remember. But, okay, so... The, moving past the fake Daniel problem, uh, and again, folks, let, let me just reiterate: if you are getting harassed by a Dan Duvall, like in the spirit realm, just rebuke first and ask questions later. I won't be offended. It's not me. Okay, um, Miranda and Isabel. <laughs> we met these individuals right Very off first the bat. Session. I am telling you, folks. This is a, a a real issue that deliverance ministers in this day and age are going to have to cope with. 
because if it isn't addressed for what it is, it will not be resolved. Now, Miranda was occupying space in one of Elena's eyes and Isabel was in the other eye. M Miranda was a Russian ballerina and Isabel was a, uh, a Brazilian girl. Mm -hmm. Elena, mm -hmm. I I'm going to let you tell us about Miranda and Isabel and ultimately what what happened because you know the, the 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 amazing thing is that when we when you get to the end of this story and realize what Jesus did about the problem it actually sets a precedent for how this conflict is being resolved by heaven right now so go ahead all right let's start off with the fact that my father is bloodline he's of a hidden bloodline and hopefully, when I get the rest of those pieces together, we can discuss that in a future time. He's also a high-level military contractor. Um, so he's had access, because he's got top, top, top secret clearance at the Pentagon and rubs elbows with some of the biggest um, military people in the world. But anyway, um, and... Um, I wasn't too sure what to expect, to be honest with you, because I still wasn't sure this was going on. I wanted to find out if it was going on. So Daniel um, asked if there was anybody inside that wanted to come up. Well, in fact, there was two. And one was Isabella, and the other one was Miranda. Isabella was from Brazil, and Miranda was from Russia. And um, they came up and they told Daniel when they had been put in my eyes. Um, Miranda was put in at about age five. And Isabella, um, I will say this, that after this session, if I could have gotten to a window, I would have dropped. I would have just jumped out of it because I thought I was going to come out of my skin. I, you know, I just had this weird sense of, oh my goodness, is that real? Is this what? Am I hallucinating? Um, and I have now since come to understand that you know it's real because of the way it makes you feel. Who wants to make it up? Who wants to make this stuff up? Are you kidding? No. And the feelings aren't really... Um, <sighs> I'm not exactly sure. They're body memories where, where some of them are coming from. Some of them are, you know, just programming where you don't want to believe it. You've been threatened with all kinds of horrible things that if you remember this, so that's the fear that also comes up. So, um, Daniel, you want to go ahead and say your, your side of it? Well, I, and I'm just going to say this, folks. Um, it, it's just really, really interesting because what we had to cope with was the fact that we were dealing with people that I'm talking to that are not actually dissociated parts of Elena. Miranda coming out with this thick 
Russian accent. <laughs> and communicating to me about how Elena was a peasant and about you know, some of her other viewpoints. She didn't know about God. She was a communist. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. I'm learning about someone who lived another life. And in fact, Miranda was even in touch, as I'm talking with her, with how she died. She tells me how she died. And memories start coming back up. And it's a revelation that, you know, somehow they figured out how to keep Miranda from passing from this world to the next long enough to do a scientific and I assume ritual process. This is the information that came back that transferred her into Elena through a surgical procedure involving the eyes. And so instead of going to hell or some other, you know, place where she should have gone because she was dead, her region of captivity in death became Elena's eye. And it was a prison in there. And she was locked in it, talking to me from the prison through Elena's mouth with a thick Russian accent. And the, the, the most amazing thing, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm just telling the story now the way I experienced it. I do not want to believe that I'm dealing with this. I'm like, nope, this, this has to be an altar. This has to be part of Elena that's just confused. This is an imprinted identity. It's programming. It makes sense. There's no way I could be dealing with a dead person. There's no way that someone is in someone else's body. I mean, this is this isn't the way it's supposed to work. You know, I'm racking my brain with all of my Christian philosophies about why uh, I'm right. And there's no way that this thick Russian accent talking to me could possibly know what they're talking about until we get to a point in the ministry session where I, I, because of Miranda, the situation that they had, she was locked in this prison and they would run like, you know, torment. And, and, and so they would have, ones that would walk by that prison inside and, and just scoff at her and really be mean and, and this is stuff. Um, and, 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 and Jesus shows up and he begins to minister to Miranda in Elena's eyeball, but, but it's like in the spirit. So it doesn't look like an eyeball. It, it's like, and Elena's even watching this happen. She can see this from the inside. Uh, she's watching the events while I'm talking to Miranda and, and Jesus, and this is the most amazing thing about the grace of God. I, I just can't fathom this. Her body's dead, but through grievous evil, she's in this situation in another body. Um, Jesus gives her the opportunity to go with him. He says, you can choose me. And what the, what the most amazing thing was is that in Russia, she could have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. She actually could have never had the opportunity to, to make a decision. But now in this very, very odd situation, I am watching Jesus extend salvation to a Russian ballet dancer. Who, by the way, we, we learned during this process that, that the father of Miranda would actually show up at Elena's ballet recitals and dance things because they would trigger Miranda into Elena's body to do the dancing. Elena learned, would perform dances she never learned 
and was spectacular this way. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know, how do they get abilities I into actually, people? Mm. I, I actually taught dance as a young woman and never had a lesson in my life. And it didn't matter what kind it was. I could pick it up. It, it just in no time. It, it, it was, I never could figure it out. Also, um, <laughs> uh, my eyes during this session went to 2020 vision. I mean, I, I went, I'm, I'm nearsighted and I could clearly see, I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> this is so cool that I can see. So it didn't last, but then we went to the other eye and we found somebody else. Yeah, well, and this is the amazing thing, right? So, so Miranda actually did. She she chose Jesus. He took her with him. She never came back. She she actually went to heaven. Done. She repented of her sins and 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 gave her life to Jesus Christ right out of Elena's eyeball. <laughs> Folks, I let me tell you, it. my worldview gets violated every week. You guys have no idea. We tell one story for every story we. You know, this is, this is actually only half because that session that we did with this was also, I mean, um, the same session that a number of other things happened. Like, like it, this is not the only component of a whole session. It's like, this is like 30 percent, 30 percent. Right. I mean, you know, so anyway, uh, then it was Isabel. Now, Isabel was in her other eye and just like this sweet little uh south american girl she's brazilian she lost her parents she got lost one day and got abducted somehow she died as her physical body died or was killed but they put her inside of elena and so she was in a prison and she didn't have as much information um, as far as I have in my notes and I remember, but what I do know is that Jesus, she loved Jesus. She just was so excited about Jesus and Jesus showed up and she's just like, I just want to go with him. I go, I'm going, I'm going by. And, and he took her too. And that was the deliverance, Elena. It was. And, but here's the thing. You want to talk about your worldview being violated. My theology did not line up with this at all. And um, afterwards, the afterburn of a session with Daniel <laughs> can be can be quite um, painful. But after everything settles back down, you feel better and you get stronger. And somebody asked me once, is this worth it? I don't know how to answer that. On good days, I would say, oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and other days, I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that question. But you know what? Just like anything else, it's hard work. You know, you go to the gym to work out. You're not going to get the six-pack abs without some pain. Well, th- this is along those lines. There's a lot of housework that needs to be done after a lifetime of being victimized by cruel agendas of greedy, selfish others. The, the truth is, folks, if I ever did an infomercial 
for like DID coaching, what you would see is a, a, a series of grunts and eye rolls. Um, <laughs> deep, long sigh. What did you think of your DID coaching experience? Oh, oh man. <sighs> it's awful. <laughs> um, well, on a Monday. And then the- but then on a Tuesday, oh, it was just fantastic. I mean, just folks, this is the reality of the situation. Elena's telling the <laughs> truth. That that flips from yeah. one day to the next. Great, horrible, great. This is a tough journey, it's Elena. A, it's ebb and flow, and it is healing. Hmm. And it's a straight-up hill climb, and there's a lot of work and a lot. But, you know, it goes beyond... Um, some technologies that were in my eyes a few weeks later i'm telling you i've got this terrible ringing in my ears it's driving me crazy like you know i think they're implants can we pray for can we pray about this and so you pray for my ears and this chip comes out of my foot <laughs> so and um that was just the kickoff events outside of dealing with some uh, nasty spiritual entities that were hanging on um we have since uncovered so many many more things and um i hope i get a chance to come back and talk about some of them because well, we've just part one. Oh, this is just part one folks we have so much so much to talk about now i'm going to come back just for a minute and talk a little bit more about miranda and isabel because w- what i said um is obviously going to raise a lot of concerns and questions and just uh, fright. Um, But I I will say this. You heard one piece. Um, I have encountered this over and over and over. Not necessarily the same procedure to do it, but finding parts of people and other people, even when the physical bodies have died, has happened over and over and over again. Um, even memories from other people that are dead that are being platformed out of survivors get imprinted. So survivors sometimes have a little bit of confusion in how could I have memories of, say, you know, some, some kind of area. I've just never been there. This is not part of my I can't reconcile it. It's like, well, if there's been a part of some other person platformed out of you, you might be looking at their memories. This is actually a real thing, and we run into it, and that's why I'm saying this is something that deliverance ministers are simply going to have to reconcile. If you want fruit, if you want to get people set free from this issue, you're going to have to address this issue for what it is and work with Jesus to let him do with them what what needs to be done, give them the opportunity. And that's the thing. He's actually giving them the opportunity to choose him and go with him to heaven, even if they've been platformed and their physical body is dead and 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 this is the the reality of the situation i said well this is impossible because you die you go to hell that's it isn't that what the bible says and well the answer is no that's actually not what the bible says the bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment but the judgment is as and i always thought the judgment must come immediately you die you're judged but that's not when the judgment there, there's two judgments really that are clearly articulated in scripture one is the bema seat judgment seat of christ and another is the great white throne judgment and both of those have a specific timing i realize there's a lot of gray area between once to die and then the judgment and 
in that gray area, they have figured out something called transmigration. And transmigration is the process of pulling someone's essence, soul and spirit, or pieces of soul and pieces of spirit, or both, or whatever, out of one body and putting it into another. And they have been doing this a lot. As a matter of fact, there was a whole component of Project Montauk Elena could tell you about that was completely based on this science, except that they weren't transferring human components from, from humans to humans. They were doing it from humans to hybrid bodies. <laughs> Elena. You know, Daniel, when I think about what we're speaking about, perhaps, maybe, what the Lord did, although the wicked intended it for evil, and they were experimenting with different technologies, and right now we've we all heard the stories about them uploading consciousness and all that stuff. But what I see is the Lord had mercy, and although it was intended for evil, the Lord had mercy and gave them a chance to get saved. Mm. They were not recycled or reincarnated but he did give them a chance each one of them a chance to go with him or refuse so maybe in the midst of all of this confusion and all this black occult technology the Lord's got a plan within all of it that far supersedes anything the wicked could dream up. Amen. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is a good God. He is full of justice and mercy and grace. That's why Elena and I are both telling you, choose Jesus. He's the yeah. solution. He is the answer. He is salvation. Yeah. Elena, we're going to close yeah. this program. You're going to be okay. back. Folks, you've been listening to um, one of my heroes. And I view the survivors that are overcoming in Jesus Christ as heroes. You are hearing a a you're getting a glimpse. You're hearing a piece of a, a much larger story. What Elena has been through, what she has endured, what she is continuing to overcome. Incredible. Her bravery off the charts. So, Elena, I just want to say thank you for joining me today. Thank you for your bravery, your witness, your testimony. And you will be back. So, folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at 
www.bridemovement.com. At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.